Thank you. You may be seated. <coughs> Psalm 95. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In His hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are His also. The sea is His, for He made it, and His hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. And we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness when your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they saw my work. For forty years I was grieved with that generation and said, It is a people who go astray in their hearts, and they do not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Let's pray together. Our Father, we just read a psalm of mighty worship and mighty praise, inciting the hearers, the reciters, to worship you. But it is also a straight-from-the-shoulder warning that we are to listen to you. We are to listen to you. And as we come later in today's meeting, as we will be studying and led through Hebrews chapter 3, where this passage is quoted, Lord, we ask that you will show us its truth and enable us by the help of your Holy Spirit to heed the warning and experience the rest the comfort the fortification that you promised to us we ask for this outcome all according to your grace shepherd us today we ask in your name Jesus and all God's people said amen the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who is faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses was also faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, 
but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of these, those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of hope firm to the end. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works forty years, therefore I was angry with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, while it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they should not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we, so we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. This is a very straightforward, sobering warning. As we've noted earlier in this series, let me go back and restate what is the circumstance that's led to this letter being written. I won't get into all the details. The author of this letter is Barnabas. That is the statement of the early church. Uh, The earliest statement about the author of this letter is Barnabas. When Barnabas and Mark separated from Paul and Silas, Barnabas and Mark went to North Africa. Paul and Silas went to the, the places where Paul and Barnabas together had done missionary work. They went back to those places, and Barnabas and Mark went to North Africa. And they were ministering there. They went through the, and that was part of the Roman Empire, They're in North Africa, and they're going from synagogue to synagogue to synagogue across the North African coast, and they're leading Jews and non-Jews, but principally Jews, to faith in Christ. And they came forward. They fully embraced the gospel. No question about it. They understood what Barnabas and Mark were saying. 
They understood it, they embraced it, and they became steadfast followers of Lord Jesus. And they followed, and they followed, and they walked, and they walked, and they followed. And the more they came out for Jesus, and the more loyal they were to Jesus, over the course of several years, the heavier and heavier and heavier became the persecution. The opposition to them rose and rose, both from within the Jewish culture and from the Roman culture, because after all, especially the non-Jews who had come to faith in Christ, you know, the emperor does like to be worshipped. So the persecution got greater and greater, and what has drawn them, what has risen up that's causing them difficulty, is their, their hands, as an expression he uses, their hands are hanging down, their knees have become weak, the weight of persecution has become heavier and heavier and heavier, by the way, this is a weight they should have rolled off of their shoulders onto Jesus' shoulders, which is what we're told to do in the Scripture. But they're bearing this weight, and they have been drawn away from their clear profession of the work of Jesus of Nazareth. God the Son became flesh and dwelt among us, and he displayed all kinds of miracles. Jesus had to have done thousands of miracles. Evidence upon evidence upon evidence upon evidence upon evidence. And then he went to the cross and paid sin's penalty for the entire human race. He paid sin's penalty. All of the hell, lake of fire, and an eternity judgment due to the entire human race was poured down on Jesus on the cross. And he could do that because he is God the Son. He is eternal in his value in heaven's eyes. So he could do in a matter of hours what would take the human race an unending eternity to do. He can do it in hours, and he cried out from the cross, it is finished, to tell us die, it is finished, it's paid in full. I've just, and everybody at the foot of his cross knew the meaning of that word, it meant paid in full. He had just paid off the sin debt of the human race, giving his Holy Father complete liberty to forgive anyone who cries out to him for mercy based on what his son has done. That's the message that they embraced, and that's the message that they put out, but the persecution has gotten higher and higher, and they have become weaker and weaker, and they're being drawn by a cult, a Jewish cult that elevates angels, the worship of angels, and that's what's been drawing them. Anything that diminishes that you add to the gospel will cause a reduction in the persecution. And so they're being drawn to this. That's why earlier in this letter, he's been talking about, no, angels, forget about it. Our God, our Lord Jesus Christ is above the angels. So stop all that nonsense. But here he's, he's bringing their attention to the history of their forefathers. They have, there was a generation of Jews before them, and before that first century time, when our Lord Jesus Christ came and did all of his miracles, there was a generation of Jews that had testimony upon testimony upon testimony. The Jews that were in Egypt when Moses was sent back by God, What did they 
witness. They witnessed, well, to begin with, they witnessed Moses' rod turning into a serpent and then becoming a rod again when he grabbed it by the tail. They witnessed 10 plagues that turned the most powerful, wealthy nation that we know of on the planet, Egypt. It turned Egypt into a trash dump. It completely destroyed Egypt. Every one of those 10 plagues was directed against a different Egyptian god. God, The god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob humiliated the entire Egyptian pantheon. With this 10th plague, which was the death of the firstborn, which was coincided by Passover when they put the blood of the lamb on the lintel and doorposts of their doors, but the firstborn were killed, except those of who had put the blood on the lintel and doorposts. That was the 10th plague, and that's when Pharaoh threw in the towel and said, okay, you can leave, okay, you can leave. And the Egyptian people actually covered them with gifts. The Egyptian people emptied their bank accounts, gave them their valuables, and they left. And that's when Pharaoh decided halfway, as they're halfway gone, oh, I'm changing my mind. And he chases after them with his army, catches up with them at the Red Sea. And you all know the episode. What happened? The Red Sea waters were parted. Israel walked between the walls of water, escaped. And then Pharaoh, knucklehead Pharaoh, decided, oh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who held the walls of water up for his people, will certainly hold the walls of water up for me. And so he chases them into the Red Sea. And Exodus 15, the Israeli people turned around. They see Pharaoh and his army coming, and the waters collapsed on them. And Exodus 15 is a mighty, wonderful time of worship and praise to God because of the great deliverance. And then they came to the bitter waters. Hey, we got two and a half to four million people. We need water. Oh, here's water. Oh, but it's poisonous. It's bitter. We can't even drink this water. And God tells Moses, cut this tree down, cast it into the bitter water, and the bitter waters will become sweet. And so here's this miracle. They had miracle. They had the manna for two years. They followed God in the wilderness. They got up to Kadesh Barnea, the lower part of the promised land of Canaan. And they sent 12 spies into the land, one spy from each of the 12 tribes. And they came back with a magnificent testimony on how wealthy and wonderful and prosperous this area was. God had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the western third of the Fertile Crescent, one of the most agriculturally productive places on the planet. And they came back, all 12 spies, talking about the riches and everything. But 10 of the 12 said, oh, also, they've got walls around their cities. They have, oh, 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 this is way too much for us to handle. Let's not do this. Two years before, they saw their God utterly, completely destroy Egypt. What's the land of Canaan and all these city-states in Canaan compared to Egypt? You've gone from major league to minor league, and yet they don't have the faith to trust the God whose power they'd already witnessed to deal with the land of Canaan. And 10 of those 12 spies said that. That's what they said. Joshua and Caleb alone, representing the tribes of Judah and Ephraim, said, no, our God is able. 
the 10 spies who gave the bad report, God executed them. God executed them. And then he said to the unbelieving adult males, those 20 years old and above, okay, you're going to get to spend the next 38 years wandering around in the wilderness. I will be feeding you. I will be giving you water, all of this. But because you didn't have the faith to walk, to obey me and trust me in this conquest of Canaan, that's what's going to happen. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. We changed our mind. And so God said, no, you don't get to change your mind. <laughs> they went up and tried to invade and they got defeated. And they spent the next 38 years wandering in the wilderness, dying off so that their children could go in and do what they chose not to do. And that's what's behind this quotation in Hebrews chapter 3. This today, if you will hear his voice. But let's look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren partakers of the heavenly calling. Let's stop right there. Therefore, holy brethren. Later on in this passage, the author is going to keep using the term house, 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 house. Instead of house, think in terms of household. He's not talking about an edifice. He's talking about a body of people who are a household. But here he's saying, Therefore, holy brethren, who are you? You have come. You were a sinner. You stood before the holy God left to yourself. You stood before the holy God absolutely condemned with not left to yourself, no hope at all. No hope at all. If God doesn't get it done, it isn't going to happen. But God got it done. God the Father sent God the Son to become fully a human being, true God of true God, fully God, fully man, joined together in one person. What did John the Baptist say of him? Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus went to the cross was nailed to that cross as the Lamb of God, by the way, coinciding with the events of Passover when they were sacrificing Passover lambs in the, in the temple. And he bore sin's penalty for us so that all we have to do to go from a standing of utter, complete condemnation before God to a glad welcome with God is abandon our own works in favor of what Jesus has done on the cross. And when I do that, I go from being a hopeless sinner, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, there is none righteous, no, not one, all of our righteousness is as filthy rags, too. I stand before God, having been forgiven, cleansed of the guilt of my sin, and the righteousness of Jesus attached to my account. Holiness is not just forgiveness. It's also Jesus' track record of perfect obedience. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Attached to our account, and we become holy. 
Holiness is not just the absence of sin. It is also the righteousness of God the Son attached to our account so that God the Father actually welcomes us as if we had lived that life of perfect righteousness. We are holy brethren, a household, a band of people whom God calls holy. Wow. So we could, we could spend the rest of the time just talking about holy brethren. It captures the reality of the gospel in that simple statement. We are, we are, we are a band of people who have been made holy before the holy God. We have a welcome with him. And he's not holding us. Oh, man, that guy, Mark. No. The essence, the fragrance of the righteousness of Christ rises to the Father. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. You've been welcomed to heaven. Into the very unrestrained presence of God. Partakers of the heavenly calling consider the apostle, the sent one, and high priest of our confession. Christ Jesus. Okay. Jesus on the cross, what did he do? He paid sins penalty for him. He's the sacrifice that created that welcome. Who keeps me welcome? Let me ask you a question. When you came to faith in Jesus Christ, if you have, when you came to faith in Christ, did you suddenly become perfect? Did you become sinless? Uh-oh. I'm not perfect. Ah, but I have a high priest. I have a high priest. A high priest in the Jewish system. The high priest is the fellow who gets to walk into the Holy of Holies. <laughs> now, in the Old Testament, Old Covenant system, he only went in once a year on Day of Atonement. He went in once a year very, very carefully. Uh, he, would make, he would go in and he would present a sacrifice for himself. And they had bells sewn to the hem of his robe so they could hear the tingle, 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 tingle as he's walking around. And they had a rope tied around his ankle. I don't think Leviticus says to do this, but they were really cautious. So they tied a rope around his ankle so that that rope would trail out under the veil, which was the tapestry, about two and a half to three inches thick, that was in front of the Holy of Holies. And if they heard a poof, and the bell stopped ringing, nobody's going in after that guy. They're going to drag him out with that rope. Because nobody's going in there. Now, there's no record that any high priest ever was that dumb to blow it. They, had, they knew their stuff, <laughs> and they got it in order. But he would go in and offer a sacrifice for himself, and then he would come out, and then he would bring in a sacrifice for the people, Day of Atonement, till a year later. Once, that one day a year, two times the high priest went into the Holy of Holies, and that was it. We have a high priest who is God the Son, become flesh, who has a welcome with his father, and he's not wondering. 
He's not wondering. He is our high priest. Do you want him for your defense attorney? Do you want him representing you before the judge? The beloved God the Son representing you before the God the Father who loves him, who rejoices in him, who has said of him, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased? I think so. And so we are holy brethren, and we have a high priest (laughs) of our confession. He is the one who is our representative before the Father, who who was faithful to him who appointed. Jesus did what he was sent to do. Remember again, in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus is in prayer, sweating great drops of blood. His blood pressure is so high, the capillaries are bursting, mixing with his sweat. Father, if it be possible, pass this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And he did it. Yours be done. Yours be done. He did the Father's will. Who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. Moses was faithful, but Moses was a servant in the household. And as I said, when we read house, think household. Think about that body of people. It's not talking about house as a building. It's talking about house as a household, this body of people. Who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful in his house. For this one, Christ, has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Now remember, he's speaking to ethnically Jewish people. Moses was highly, 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 highly regarded. Remember at the, when Jesus appeared on the Mount of Transfiguration, he's got three apostles with him, Peter and Andrew and John, and uh, was it James and John? I forget. <laughs> and Moses and Elijah show up. And Peter says, hey, Lord, how about if we build three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah? And God the Father spoke from heaven. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Don't you dare put my son on the same level as Moses or Elijah. Something wrong with Moses and Elijah? No, but they're not my son. And the apostles never forgot that experience, I can promise you. (laughs) This one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses inasmuch as he who built the house, the one who governs the household, the one who brought it into existence, has more honor than the household. Jesus is at the top of the pyramid. Moses is way down the pyramid. Inasmuch as he who built the house or household has more honor than the household than anyone else in it, for every house, household is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant. Was he faithful as a builder? No, he wasn't faithful as a builder. God was the builder. He's a servant in the household. Nothing wrong with Moses, but don't elevate him to a place that he would be embarrassed. <laughs> Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those 
things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ as a son, the full heir over his household. This is the one who's going to receive the inheritance of the household. But Christ is a son over his house, whose house we are. Would you like to hang out with Jesus? You can. You can. You are part of, if you've come to faith in Christ, if you've abandoned all hope in your own goodness, your own righteousness, your own works, solely in favor of what Jesus accomplished for you on the cross, you are part of his household, and he wants to hang out with you. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants to walk with you in this difficult place that we dwell in. We are, he's already called us holy brethren. He wants to hang out with you. Christ is a son over his house, whose house or household we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. You want to really walk in the full blessing of being part of his household? Don't imitate your fathers. Don't imitate those guys from uh, 1400. I'm talking from there. Don't imitate those guys who 1400 plus 100 years ago uh, blew it, who saw the works of God that he had done in Egypt, walking them between the walls of water at the Red Sea. They saw all this stuff. And what did they do? Every opportunity to rebel they grasped that opportunity and rebelled. They worshipped golden calves. They, worshiped, they did all this stuff for 40 years. They just couldn't get their mind, or chose not to, I should say, wrap their minds and hearts around the reality of the evidence that they saw. God has given us overwhelming evidence of who his son is and what his son accomplished for us. And we can walk in fellowship with him right now. Christ as a son over his house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. What caused those ancient Jews and what the Jews receiving this letter and us, what causes us to be tempted to be drawn away is, hey folks, it's hard. Following Jesus, walking with the true and living God in this hostile environment governed by, animated by Satan, that's a tough task. But God will be with you in the task. He will be with you in the journey. You will have abundant fellowship with him. And I, I know I keep using this same illustration, but I just can't get over it. Richard Wormbrandt, that Jewish businessman, very wicked by his own testimony, very wicked, wicked, successful Jewish businessman in the mid-1930s in Romania who encountered the gospel and abandoned 
all of that in favor of Jesus becomes a Lutheran minister. And then in the late 1940s, when the communists took over Romania, and they're supposed to all come out, all these religious leaders, we're going to have a radio broadcast, and we're going to bring all you religious leaders here, and you are going to openly, publicly embrace the communist dictator, Vladimir Ceausescu, and you're going to tell everybody what a fine fellow he is. And so all these religious leaders, including Richard Wormbrunt, were gathered to the radio station, and uh, all these religious leaders are doing exactly what the communists tell them to do, and Richard Wormbrunt's wife is sitting next to him, and she says to him, you're not going to do that, are you? Of course I'm not. So when he went to the microphone, he started renouncing the communist atheist dictator, declaring the gospel of Christ, and they couldn't turn off the broadcast that's going out to the nation. (laughs) About a week later, he disappeared off the street, and for the next 14 years, he's in a dungeon. A whole row of dungeons filled with Christians. But every so often, Jesus, the wall would start moving and Jesus would step out and have fellowship with these men. Were they in a tough situation? Yes, they were. By the time, 14 years later, they let him out of prison. Total miracle. Total miracle. They let him out of, he was skeletal. And they allowed him to come to the United States of America. And some of us might be old enough to remember back in about 1962 when he testified before the House Committee on Un-American Activities and the Romanians blew their lid. Who let this guy go? (laughs) God did. God did. God did. But here was a man who... In the midst of the turmoil, all of the opposition, all the persecution walked with Jesus. And did he experience fellowship? Not just him, but so many of those other loyal Christians there in Romania that he shared the prison with. They experienced the unrestrained presence of God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would would be spoken afterward. But Christ as a son over his household, whose household we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Christian, I don't care what the opposition is, you can hold fast. By the help of God, you can hold fast. Firm to the end. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, and then we have the quotation from what we read earlier in Psalm 95. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the world. What rebellion is he talking about? He's talking about the rebellion of the Jewish people against Moses and Moses' God. 
Don't be like your forefathers. What's he saying to the readers? Don't be like your forefathers. What's he saying to us today? Don't be like their forefathers, who despite the evidence said, I want to do what I want to do. And I don't care what the evidence is. I'm not going to trust this God to do what looks to me like a really, really, really hard task. Well, it's a lot less than what he's already done. But what is that? It's looking for an excuse to go our own way. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion and the day of trial in the wilderness. Where your fathers tested me tried me and saw my works 40 years. I fed them for 40 years. Manna, called angel food in the Psalms. Manna, the water, the river of water that followed them through the wilderness. They saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. I have promised to them the land of Canaan. They said, no thanks. And I said, fine. Oh, well, oh we've changed our mind. No. It's too late. It's too late. You're going to wander in the wilderness. Folks, God has wonderful blessings, gifts for us to be experiencing now. 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 But if you choose to go your own way, you're forfeiting that. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. This rest is actually the glory of the promised land, promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, <clears throat> lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief and departing from the living God. Don't be like them. But exhort one another daily. You know what? Put your arm around the shoulders of other people and encourage them. Build one another up in the faith. Remind each other of the declarations about what our God is like. Remind one another of the mighty promises God has given to us. But exhort one another daily while it is called today as you have opportunity. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sins. Sin, all sin is based on lies. Satan says, oh, you can go my way, and this will be the outcome for you. And he lies every single time. <laughs> he lies every single time. But we'll give him another chance. We'll give him another chance. We'll give him another chance. What? How many times does Satan have to rip the rug out from under you before you say, okay, Satan, I'm giving up on you? Satan is a liar. He is the father of lies. Don't believe his deceptions. Satan himself, the world system that he set up, because he can't be everywhere at once, so he, he has minions doing work for him. The world system, your own fallen nature, don't believe the lies. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest you, any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. 
for we have become partakers of Christ. We can become partners with Christ. We can sit down at the banquet table with him and the blessings that come to him, we get a share in Jesus' own blessings. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and I will be with you. I will be with you, even to the end of the age. Just as Richard Wormbrand testified, yes, sometimes the wall would just start to move, and out would step Jesus. Well, it's not always that graphic and obvious, but God has blessing that he purposes us to walk in. He loves us. God doesn't say, well, I've redeemed you. Okay, I'm done. No, I've redeemed you. I've welcomed you into the household and I'm going to pour out kingdom blessing on you just because I love you. Dorothy, do you have problems uh, giving good stuff to your kiddos and your grandkiddos? No, you don't. <laughs> you want to spoil. You know, that's the great thing about being a grandparent is you get to dump the blessing. You get to sugar them up and send them home. God wants to sugar us up. He wants to sugar us up, but he doesn't even send us home. He lets us stay there. He loves us. He rejoices in us. He Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. We become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end while it is written today, 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 today. If you will hear his voice, listen to him, listen to him, listen to him, listen to him, listen to him. Hear his voice, hear his voice, hear his voice. If you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion which of your forefathers in the wilderness. For who, having heard, your forefathers who having heard rebelled. Indeed, was it not all who came, who was it that rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? What evidence did they lack? None. Their problem was their internal rebellious hearts. For who your forefathers, having heard, rebelled. Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it with not, not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And whom did he swear that they should not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? All they had to do was do what God said to do, and they would have stepped into wonderful, outrageous glory. The western third of the fertile crescent would have been handed to them. They would have seen what happened 38 years later when they got to Jericho. How hard did they have to fight at Jericho? <laughs> the walls fell down. The walls fell down. You read, you read through the book of Joshua and it's like, 
It's one miracle after a miracle after a miracle. Jericho, all the, all the things that happened, God walked them into. They basically received what was promised on a silver platter. Now with whom was he angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? Believe and obey. Believe what he says and do what he says. So we see that they could not enter in for one reason, because of unbelief. They chose not to believe the God who had presented to them one evidence after another, after another, after another, after another, after another. You can count to ten, and then you can count. They had every reason, evidence-wise, to believe, and they chose not to. And it wasn't lack of evidence. It was their own fallen, rebellious nature. I'm going to live the life I want to live according to my terms. And God says, well, I've got much better waiting for you, but okay, I'll let you waste your life. I'll let you. Folks, let's not waste our lives. Let's not waste our lives. Let's believe what he says. Yes, we are in a hostile environment. And the writer is not diminishing that to his readers. Yes, we're in a hostile environment, but the blessing is greater than now and the blessing waiting for you, you can't even begin to measure. Let's pray together. Our Lord, we need your help. Left to ourselves, we're always being pulled in the wrong direction. But you have provided to us the indwelling of God the Holy Spirit. The third person of the Trinity actually dwells within us to energize us, to lay hold of, to believe, and lay hold of and walk in obedience to your truth. We are asking that you would enable us to stiff arm our own fallen nature, our own wickedness, in favor of what you declare, that we might, as your holy brethren, experience all the blessing that comes to those who are full members of your household. We're part of your gang, and we are asking that you would enable us to walk in that truth. All to your glory and praise. In your name, Shepherd Jesus, our Redeemer, the head of the household, we pray. Amen.